0: How's it going? Good, how are you? Good um, to see you. Yeah, it's why do a... you look distinguished as your hair goes white and I look like Colonel Sanders? It's because <laughs> I, I dye mine white so that I look ah. more credible. <laughs> okay, good, good. I think yours may
1: be natural. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking in the hall. I remember when both of us had more
0: hair, I know, and it was much darker. I know, and we were saying things at the time that no one else agreed with. Yeah, we were saying things that I mean, that's still happening, but. That nobody saw coming. Nobody saw this coming, Matt. Yep, I
1: I I find very little solace in saying I told you so. I know
0: it's really uh, empty, and uh, and it it for at least me, it causes more grief because I'm still doing it, and it didn't work then. Why would I expect doing the same thing is going to work this time? I yeah. mean, I just feel useless. Yeah,
1: well, I. I'm always an optimist. We're both optimists, whether we, we want to admit it or not, yeah. because uh, we we know history enough to know that the human spirit somehow rises up against authoritarianism.
0: It's like life; you can't you you can't extinguish it. It will find a way. Yeah. And the same thing with freedom. It, you know, we may go through a period of very long period of darkness, but it it will. I remember thinking back in about. 2009 I was reading Marx and Jefferson at the same time and Marx is just gobbledygook uh, and just I think just ridiculous you know uh, theory Um, Jefferson is just red meat and I thought how can that happen well because Jefferson's not cool Marx is cool yeah Uh, and I thought it's gonna have to be banned uh, em- Marx is gonna have to be embraced and Jefferson's gonna have to be banned, but when Jefferson becomes banned and people start reading it because it's underground, that's when freedom will come roaring back again.
1: I, th- I think I, I learned from you um, the, uh, the elimination of the four olds during the Cultural Revolution in China and the way, in order for uh, Chinese communism to thrive, they had to erase their history. Mm-hmm and they had to erase their institutions, um, starting with the family, mm-hmm. and they, they had to erase religion, and they they had to start with a blank slate. And I see that in all of this political correctness um, today, and it, it didn't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. It seems to be part and parcel to, to the the takeover? I don't know if takeover is the right word. It's a cultural thing. I don't think it's a centrally planned thing. I think it's a cultural uh, corruption that that is.
0: I think there's two opposing, uh, not not two parties that think they're in league with each other, but they're not. They'll end up. One will end up killing the other. Mm-hmm. Um, they are those people who believe in freedom. And they're kind of. Let's put them off to the side. Then there's these Marxists who actually believe in anarchy and Marxists and and all of that stuff. Um, The other group that they're fighting with currently is the politician and the corporation. And I've never, never, I used to mock people who are like, yeah, the United Corporations of America. And I'd be like, come on, man, really? Uh, no, I was wrong. I was deeply, deeply wrong. Uh, and these these corporations are a not only more powerful than any government on Earth, uh, they're also colluding with those politicians. Yeah. They need each other. And boy, it won't be hard to erase our history. I mean, yeah. we we don't have libraries. You know, a library could disappear today in your in your town you wouldn't know about it because yeah. nobody goes yeah they just disappear off off of your electronic shelf they're gone forever it's i've come up with a
1: phrase for this i call it political capture and it's from i'm an economics dork and economists have this phrase called regulatory capture where big corporations will use their poll in washington dc mm-hmm. to create barriers to entry for everybody yeah. else more regulations, uh, more speech codes, uh, more taxes—all yep. of that. Uh, political capture is the flip side of that. You know, the Democratic Party has just taken control of almost everything in Washington D.C., and it—it it is pretty clear to me that those big corporations are now sort of uh, looking for favor, um, not favors, I, you but, know, but pandering to those powerful people.
0: I think you and I agree on the direction. We may have difference in terms, you know, I, I believe in the great reset. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you call it? You don't call it the great, Reset. I call, I
1: call it COVID socialism.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. I think it's basically the same thing, except there is, you know, I wrestled a long time. Why would these corporations just flush America down the toilet? Why would you do that to a huge market like America? And the argument was like, well, China. Well, yeah, China. But then the rest of the Western world, you're just going to say no to? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, you could make that case, but to me, it didn't make sense. Until you understand that if you're on the inside, you're going to get China, you're going to get the West, and you're going to eventually get America. Yeah. Because we'll plow all the roads for you. All you have to do is play ball when everybody who you're an economist when bank of america says as they did a few days ago that we're in uh uh what is it tri- um, transitional no uh but temporary hyperinflation at best that's their quote at the very best temporary hyperinflation is coming well i mean all hyperinflation is temporary i would Uh, Speculate, But uh, when you know that and you know tough times are coming, how do I protect myself? How do I protect my company? All I have to do is just throw my bag in with these guys who I kind of agree a lot with the same things and all that other stuff is crap, but it'll be the corporations that win anyway and the government. Yeah. Why not? Why not? It would make sense.
1: Well, you know, uh, they they know that... um... When the pecking order comes down and the government decides who to save and who not to save, they're going to save those who are compliant first, those with oh, yeah. seat at the table, right oh yeah, and this was like uh, this was the birth of the Tea Party movement, the Wall Street bailout, mm-hmm. and the way that the government, the insiders um, just arbitrarily decided that bank dies, and this bank gets a big bailout, and we were screaming from the rooftops back then, yeah. And the, the lesson for corporate America, and, and it definitely didn't
0: start with the Wall Street bailout, but the lesson was, fall in line. See, here's what's really frightening. If, if you look at, I mean, because I've been thinking, who beds? who's gonna bail out the Fed? How does that work? I don't know if you know the answer. Do you know the answer to this? Um, I would say the printing press. Labor unions. I thought it was a printing press too. In 2022, the government is now, you know, we we back all pensions. The U.S. government backs all pensions, so we'll just print if your pension goes down. Um, but the labor unions now must, required by law beginning in 2022, um, by 33% of all of their investments must be U.S. Treasuries. Hmm. And this is coming through the Emergency COVID Act that also coincidentally says... The Federal Reserve, for the first time, can sell them on the open market. They've never been able to do that. So all of their debt, is it's about $9 trillion that they're holding. Guess what the amount is of 30% of all the pensions? About $9 trillion. Yeah. So in the end, it's they all, all the big players, all are fine. All the heads of the unions are fine. But everyone that is working, everybody who's played it right, we're all going to get screwed. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it is is an extension of the printing press
1: because it's basically an expansion, an artificial expansion of the government's ability to borrow right. money it doesn't have.
0: It's, right now, it's just a shell game. It is the biggest Ponzi scheme. We thought Social Security was a Ponzi scheme. This is just moving money one place to another until it all comes apart. Let's call it the Argentinian model. Um,
1: because their their last gasp was raiding the pension system as as a form of bailing out the government. Wow! So, and we all know how that one turned out. Yeah. Um, well, we still don't know exactly how bad that gets. Um, which reminds me, you know, my my phrase uh, "COVID socialism" is a little bit tongue in cheek, but it comes from from wartime communism, which is what. Um, Lenin imposed on the Russian people during the 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 Russian Revolution. And what did they do Uh. during war communism? They nationalized everything, and they started redistributing wealth. And I'm thinking about it in the context, and and this probably makes me sound like a nut job, but but think about the- You're with me. Yeah. That doesn't sound nutty. Nothing (laughs) will sound nutty. (laughs) But just think think about vaccines. Um, For the first time, in my lifetime, governments globally nationalized uh-huh. the production and acquisition and distribution of, of something that is essential to people's health. Right. Forget forget where you are in vaccines for right. a second. And to me, that is a model, like, how do we go back from that when it comes to other healthcare stuff?
0: Well, that's all, uh, all of Biden's speech was about that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he laid the groundwork for, look, I, I, of course, believe in this democracy, but, you know, can we really move fast enough with the world that we're living in? I don't know. Some people say no. I'm willing to see. But it was, I mean, I've never seen a president address the Congress instead of the American people on a State of the Union address, unless he's scolding them. This one was saying, you did it. You saved the nation, you say, because of how they they gobbled up everything and grabbed the reins during COVID, and he's using that as an example of that's we really have to do that with everything. Yeah, yeah, and
1: and, you know, there is a thousand examples, some of which are draconian and some which nobody's noticed. But his um, radical use of the Defense Production Act, oh yeah, going back to wartime socialism.
0: And Trump did this too. So, not s- that he didn't put the wartime or he didn't put the uh, defense production defense production act. It, because I know they really wanted him to. Yeah. But I don't think he did it. Did he? Uh, I thought he did. Um, people, I don't think he did, but I could be wrong.
1: People watching can Google this. But, yeah. but either way, the idea that you would use something that's clearly designed for wartime yes for the war against COVID, um, that's the the crisis that the radical left has wanted.
0: It's the war against racism. It's the war on equity. It's the war on COVID. It's, it's everything is a war now. Yep. And, you know, I was glad to see DeSantis, and I, I, here I am in Texas, and I don't know if Governor Abbott has done this yet. He's been a little disappointing. Um, but I was glad to see that DeSantis, who I'm not in love with, but I'll take it, he actually ended the state of emergency. Yeah. How many of these states are going to say, hey, we're open up, but not end the state of emergency? Yeah. That's extraordinarily dangerous. And it's um, like
1: when they point to the fact that we're not recovering, and and I've seen this narrative that, you know, the question is, were the lockdowns what destroyed the economy or was it people's fear and their unwillingness to, to go to restaurants or whatever it is? and And I'm... Clearly, in the lockdown camp. Um, and, oh yeah, and we've now succeeded in scaring people. So there will certainly be people that won't want to go back out. But more importantly, um, we've somehow incentivized um, potential employees not to want to go back to work because they can mm-hmm. make more money not working, mm-hmm. and almost to the point where they view customers as, as the enemy.
0: Have you been up to New York lately? I won't go back. Okay. Uh, I had to go up for a funeral. I was in Connecticut, so right next to it. It's the same mentality over there. I walked into a store, and it was me, my son, and my son-in-law. We walked in because we had to go to the funeral, so we had to go buy white shirts. So we go into this store, and uh, this guy was, I mean, it was like, I I thought, is there somebody with a gun behind us that has just walked in? He was full-fledged, freaking out yeah he had a mask on we all had a mask on and uh, he said can can i can i can i help you uh yeah we're looking for some shirts and some ties Uh, oh oh, okay just 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 stay there it was so surreal i went to a flower shop to get some flowers for the funeral and it it was like a three thousand square foot flower shop it was a big flower shop okay only one customer at a time They came out, because I was with three people, they came out of the flower shop, wouldn't let us go into the flower shop, came out of the flower shop. We were at least, what are we, eight feet apart from each other right here? We were at least this far apart. I didn't have my mask on because I was outside. The wind was blowing in my face, not her face. So all my germs would have blown back into my face. She was so uncomfortable and I said, I'm sorry, do you want me to wear a mask? She said, "No, I, 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 I'll just back away." We were twelve feet apart from each other. It was like we were on MSNBC or NBC, you know, or sixty Minutes interview. Yeah, it's um, it's become a psychological problem. Yeah,
1: and it it feeds into the dehumanization mm-hmm. that you see in authoritarian cultures. We start not to trust each other. Yep. Um, you know, even where we a start mask. to
0: report on one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like. Um, mass confrontations but if you can't see somebody's face they're a li- little less human yep than they would be otherwise and the way we don't trust each other and it um uh, Stu said this earlier I was on his show and he's like it's like people have become the virus mm-hmm. and it's really creepy mm-hmm. and I worry what we might do to each other as we continue down this path
0: I have to tell you um I, I just can't, I can no longer assign, like I used to with the Tea Party and everything else, I can't assign any good motives for a vast majority of smart people in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I can't, because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know what these things lead to. You know, it's just, it. it, it this is, you know... It, When I was a kid, I remember reading the Bible, uh, you know, uh, with my parents. And you'd read it and you'd be like, wait, didn't this just happen four pages ago? How did they not recognize exactly the same scenario? You know what I mean? We're those people. Yeah. We're those people. And somebody's going to read about us in history and say, wait, that country that stopped communism and stopped fascism... They didn't see it when it was coming to their shores? They missed that somehow? Yeah. You know, the the war metaphor is apt. There's
1: this uh, classic book in in libertarian economics called Crisis in Leviathan by Mm -hmm. a guy named Robert Higgs. And he documents in a very clear way the ratchet effect. And it's usually war, but it could be whatever crisis the government is confronting. And maybe it's real. Maybe it's a a, um, Stalinist kind of created Mm -hmm. crisis. And the net effect is that the power and, and expansion of government grows, and you don't get to come back. No. and They're never gonna give that power no, back. No, they, they never give it back. Um, and I would include the war on terror. Um, I'm fascinated that mm. when, I'm, when I'm in the airport today, I don't hear about potential terrorist threats anymore. Remember yeah. the, the announcements they used mm-hmm. to tell you, look out, there might be a mm-hmm. bad person next to you, and if they leave their luggage, mm-hmm. make sure to report it. It's all stand six feet apart, and if you're not wearing your mask, you might get arrested and all of that. So they've replaced mm-hmm. it.
0: they've replaced one war with, with another, another war. war. And of course the um and, and they've replaced one group of terrorists with another group of terrorists. Yeah. But this time it's
1: us. It's you for not yeah. wearing a mask in New York right. City. And of course the the whatever the intended consequences were for um, enhanced surveillance and and all of these these new powers we gave to the state
0: to stop terrorism—they're uh, turning it on us. I know, and that's and it's funny because that was the risk. I was for the Patriot Act for about two months, and then I started going. Ah, you know, that is an awful lot of, and it was too late. Um, but I've regretted my support. Yeah, for for the, since about two months after it was passed really regretted it. And if you look at it now, they have backdoors doors everywhere. The, when the postal service is running surveillance on the American system, I, I said to my wife uh, Sunday, we were driving someplace, and yeah. she saw a postal truck pull out. And she said, uh, why is the post office? They're not delivering mail on Sunday, are they? And I said, ah, they're probably just spying on the neighborhood. And I said it as a joke. And then I realized... Oh, my gosh, that's insane. That's insane to think that the post office is monitoring people. That, it has gone completely off the rails. Yeah, and and we don't hear much about it anymore,
1: but, but this whole um, domestic terrorist narrative coming out of the Biden administration. Very dangerous. It's weaponizing, but, you know, the gateway was um, the Patriot Act, but... Year after year, they've expanded that power. Um, the courts have refused to rein in that power, and
0: I can't believe what happened with the FISA courts and and the FBI. Yeah, and the fact that the people that were that did it to the president of the United States were just promoted, and the FISA courts now have a warrantless FISA warrant. I guess you don't you don't need the evidence. You could just go to them and go, Yeah, we need this one, and they're like, Okay, for a little while. Yeah. What is that?
1: Drip, drip, drip. And that, of course, is the story about power. It only accrues in one direction when, when you don't have people that are willing to rein it in. And I feel like the bad guys now have the ultimate weapon, which is our fear. Mm. People are scared to death that the lady that was supposed to sell you flowers is just scared to death about this virus, and, and the vaccine doesn't cure her fear, and the, the data certainly doesn't cure her fear. The fact that Texas opened up and everybody predicted that it would be the end of the world. Florida, same
0: thing. Yeah. it's it's No facts seem to matter. No facts seem to matter anymore. And it, it when you look at the, it, it's a mental disorder at this point. I really believe it is some sort of a mental disorder. Because I mean, look, I, I would be all with you if it was as deadly as we thought it was going to be at first. Yeah. Um, and it affected the mass population. And it was going up, not going down when you opened it up. You know, if California and New York were doing marvelous and Texas and Florida were on fire, you might go, Yeah, oh, maybe there's something to it. No facts or data match no. the narrative. And uh, it's it is I really believe a mental disorder. Yeah, and
1: I also think there's a very specific reason why Joe Biden, who is vaccinated, wears a mask when he's out on the White House lawn, walking to his helicopter wherever he's going. Still wears it. Yep. It's um it's it's a religion, but it's it's a signal that that we should be afraid. And and I think they could have easily declared. Uh, the Biden administration could have come in and said, I think we got this thing beat. I think we're on the downslide yeah. side. I think everything's going to be okay.
0: But they're doing the opposite. So you want to know, and I agree with you, and let me give you some evidence. They're saying that nobody, uh, that people are afraid of it and they don't want to take it. And now the conservatives don't want to take it, blah, blah, blah. And people have suddenly stopped taking it. Well, first of all, what you did with Johnson and Johnson was insane. That's that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That story is hey, there's a one in a mil, was it a million or six million chance that this could happen to you? So you know we're looking into it, but relax. Um, they didn't do that. Then when he held his speech last week, it was surreal. It was it was a dystopian movie. Where, and I watched them because I had the raw feed from the Capitol. So we're, as a network, yeah. we were getting the raw feed. Matt, they were all standing next to each other, hugging each other, shaking hands, laughing. Wow. As soon as it got to be about five minutes before, they all went to their areas. They all put the masks on and they sat there. And I thought, wait, you're having a hard time getting people to take the vaccine. Here's how you do it. You have all of those people who have all been vaccinated. You know, that room has been cleaned and sterilized. You say, look, it's going to be a clean room. And everyone who has been vaccinated come because you can't get it. And you can't give it to somebody who's already been vaccinated. And the president take off his mask and everybody is maskless. And he looks into the camera and says, America, it's time we go back to normal. Yeah. I mean, that would have been the message instead the numbers are going one way, and they're making it scary, scary every single day.
1: Which is which gets us to the the, the subject that I, I know you've talked a lot about, is the great reset, what I'm calling COVID socialism. And it is pretty clear to me that this administration is not going to let a good crisis go to waste. Oh, no. they're, they're feeding the crisis. They're almost at this point creating the crisis so that they can do things that were just unimaginable, just 3 or 4 years ago, multi-trillion dollar pieces of legislation that nobody's read. Trillions of
0: dollars, trillions in the last 12 months. So this includes Trump and the Fed. 19.4 trillion dollars. Yeah. Our our entire debt from George Washington to today is 28. We just spent 19 trillion dollars. Do you know just the accounting on that? just to make sure that the money is accounted for, that is, that that's un- unthinkable. Yeah. Try to spend 19 trillion dollars. Try it.
1: It's impossible. And this number surely doesn't include the Fed, but uh, uh, spending as a, per- a, debt as a percentage of GDP mm-hmm. now surpasses where Greece was during their collapse. And for the- all of our fighting against uh, debt, and trying to balance budgets, I never could have conceived of being in this situation.
0: I actually thought there would come a time where we would have a serious conversation. I mean, I thought less and less so in the last few years, Um, but I thought there'd come a time where everybody would go, okay, 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 wait, okay? Instead, they did the exact opposite. They're like, you know what? We're all dead. Let's eat, drink, and be merry today. Nineteen trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're just getting started.
1: They are. So what? What is going on, from your perspective?
0: So from my perspective, um, what I have, what what makes sense to me, is if you listen to the Davos crowd, and you listen to. Uh, people like John Kerry and the global warming people. The global warming people are being used. The Marxists are being used. Um, those, are the, those are the troubles, you know what I mean? They're not stopping the Marxists in the streets. They're not doing that. They're, they're ginning up the people that believe in a constitution and limited government as they're the bad guys, okay? And they're ginning everybody up to say it's these liberty people, that are the bad guys. Um, and everybody seems to be on board with that. So they're printing money um, six or eight months before the COVID virus hit. I was asking questions on the Fed because they just opened up the what used to be called the discount window and they were printing billions of dollars and giving it to the banks for some unknown reason and nobody would talk about it and we did the figures on it and we said by springtime this is going to explode something's wrong then covid hit and now nobody even asks about it and they're printing even more and giving it to the banks yeah so everybody is enriching themselves gouging themselves on this free money up at the upper end the corporation's They've all said for a long time, we, we've heard people say this, and I, I remember being really one of the only ones in several rooms where I went, uh, no, I don't think China would be the good model for the future. I, no, I. that's bad. No, we're just talking about business. Yeah, even in business, I think that would be bad because it's not a free market. You have to play the game. Yeah. And the government picks and chooses. We have gotten some of our biggest corporations google nike everybody in bed with china and so dead inside to real atrocities they don't really care yeah and they just they're in it for the money look we got to do what we got to do the government wants to do the same thing i mean Wouldn't it be so much easier for all of them if they could just get rid of the pesky constitution and they could just spy on all of us because we're too dumb to rule ourselves? And why not? We have all the tools. We're doing it anyway. Let's just make it official. I mean, that's where we're headed. We are headed towards a Chinese system, a global economy. And if if you don't believe me, that's great. I hope I'm wrong. But every time there's a big crisis... And you know, and you're like, well, it's because the banks are too big. What do they do? They make them bigger. Yeah. Now everything is about to fail. So what do you do? You scoop it all up and make it global. It's bad. Yeah. It,
1: like I'm hearing uh, in the context of COVID, I'm hearing um, respectable people say again and again and again, China got it right. I know. And we, and we got it wrong.
0: I remember a year ago being on the air. And saying, can you imagine this happening in America, where they close down a city and tell everyone they have to say, can you imagine that? That could never happen here. Oh, my gosh. And in a couple weeks. Yeah.
1: It happened. And and to the point about sort of cronyism. And and by the way, like business controlled by government or that, that collusion, there's a technical term for that, right? It's called fascism. It's not socialism. Thank you. It's, it's fascism, and, you know, we don't like to use that word because it, it's almost become meaningless, but from an economic point of That's view... That's exactly what it was. It is.
0: there. You know, Joe Biden, did you see what he said before his speech to the select reporters? You didn't see this? So before his speech, he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, look, guys, uh, I mean, I don't think you guys will agree with me, but I think we're in a time of history where historians will look back and look, the big question is whether a republic, whether a, a democracy can still compete in a world that is moving this fast against autocracies. And he said, that's the big question of our age. And he, he planted that in his speech several times. Yeah. This is the same question that Wilson was asking the American people back at the turn of the last century. You know, that, that was Hitler, that was Mussolini. We'll win because we can make bullets, we can make tanks, we can tell the industry exactly what to do. That's what the left is saying they want to do now. It's the same argument. And if I remember right, it was the American worker that came in we had broomsticks we had no planes we had nothing yes fdr did a lot of the fascistic stuff but i contend we could have done it without him because we wanted to yeah you just have to convince people you want to do this yeah the the question
1: today and i'm, I'm thinking of the of, of vaccination passports and and there was this mm. ridiculous debate amongst libertarians because some libertarians were, were saying, well, we can do vaccination passports as long as it's private. <laughs> and, and I'm like, there's, there's very little difference between um, a, uh, let's say Google, I don't know who's going to manage vaccination passports, but let's say some big corporation uh, builds a system and they're all vying for this, right? They all mm-hmm. want to build mm-hmm. this social credit system for us. IBM um, and the Holocaust, yeah. I'd like to point out. And, but the reality is, it is government-controlled. It is government-sanctioned. And, and I, I did some digging on the actual Chinese social credit system, and it turns out that it's not a government system. It is very much a web of nominally private corporations mm-hmm. in the banking sector, in you know, every aspect of life in the social Correct. Chinese social credit system, Uh, leads to your ranking. Um, It's not government-owned. It's not socialism. No. It's government-controlled. It's It's
0: fascism. It's the banks. Who was it? Was it City or Bank of America this week that said, you know, they're going to retool and they're going to abide by the Paris Accords. Well, the Paris Accords, you talk to anybody on global warming that actually knows what they're talking about, they'll be like, the Paris Accords do nothing on global warming. The Paris Accords were all about the financial system, and the financial system, once they establish the ESGs and they start living by the Paris Accords, now they can say you're harmful for social justice, you're harmful for the environment, you're harmful for equity or the environment, and I can't do business with you. So now you're cut out. And it goes as far, the EU just passed the language, they haven't passed the bill yet, but they just passed the language, to where an ESG score, environmental, social uh, justice, and governmental, uh, which means, you know, do you have the right people on your board, um, that score, if you have a score, you can't do business with people who don't have a score or who have a low score, up or down in the chain. Yeah. You can't sell your product to somebody with a low score, you can't buy pieces for your product from a company with a low score. That, if that's not total control, I don't know what is. Yeah. And the question is, what's
1: the counter-revolution to all of that centralization? And I've noticed a trend which was mystifying me at first. I think it was John Brennan, is that his name, mm-hmm. uh, on MSNBC when he was talking about uh, domestic terrorists. He sort of casually said at the end of his laundry list, and libertarians yes um,
0: they did it again I think today I heard yeah who's, I was like libertarians
1: who's on um, I can't I can't believe I'm blanking on this guy's name but the guy that does meet the press oh yeah uh, Chuck Todd yeah so Chuck Todd did the same name drop uh, this past Sunday he's like and the libertarians there's a pipeline between libertarianism and domestic terrorism uh, Did I say libertarian terrorism libertarian philosophy and domestic terrorism. I'm like, why are they picking on us? We, we don't have any power. You don't, yeah, I mean. We don't, we don't control anything. And I think it's because there's this- The liberty streak. There's this liberty streak in people. It is. And there's also a liberty streak in the same technologies that are centralizing everything. Um, why do you think they so hate crypto? Why yes. do you think they hate blockchain? Correct. Why do you think they hate anybody speaking about liberty? It's because no matter what you do, human innovation and fighting against the machine and thinking for yourself these are these are things that are hard to snuff out.
0: Yes, they are and it's and and it is um, libertarian is the non-political it's just a philosophy of hey, man, I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone. And people, when they actually talk about libertarianism, ideas, yeah. the philosophy of libertarian, everybody embraces that. Yeah. Almost everybody embraces that. It's just when you start to throw it into politics that it gets all messy because people in America can't handle more than two parties, I think. Yeah. Um. And you have to snuff that out because that's the philosophy that leads you back to Thomas Jefferson. Yep.
1: But it also is a philosophy that gives me optimism, and then maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit crazy on this. Uh, but I was just talking to our friend Lee Schooland, mm. um, who escaped Mao's China and the Cultural Revolution, and we were talking about Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. What happened in China in the early 1980s when there was a little bit of technology, and there was a little bit of freedom, because the, the Chinese government understood that they would never compete with the United States unless they let a little modicum of that that c-word capitalism Mm -hmm. in there and what happened was um, young people in particular realized that freedom wow that's that's what I've been looking for my entire life and I didn't even know it existed and I didn't know you could shop at grocery stores and I didn't know that you could listen to music and I didn't know that you could actually choose who you dated all of these things that that free people just assume that's the only way to live. Mm -hmm. And of course, that led to a um, intolerable revolution that was crushed by the most brutal means imaginable. Um, But you can't snuff out people's sense for freedom.
0: Oh, you can, you can. And I'm afraid um, there's a good shot of it happening. You know, they're just setting up for we know who the enemy is. I mean, they're bad movie writers. This, this movie that we're in right now is so obvious, you know, of, oh, my gosh, Black Bart, who voted for Donald Trump, he's finally here. Oh, Nell, I'll cut you from the railroad tracks. It's so almost vaudevillian, melodramatic schmaltz that you're, you're like, is, who's buying into this? You can see. All it's gonna take is a, I mean, look at the way they're describing what happened at the Capitol. That was a bloody insurrection. That's how I heard it described today on MSNBC. A bloody insurrection. No, it wasn't. It was a bunch of, maybe some were organized, but generally disorganized people that were really upset. Some bad guys that did break the law They did all the things you shouldn't do. It was horrible. And then they got shot. I mean, that's not an insurrection. If that's an insurrection, wow. Uh, A, what a bad insurrection that is. That was just a really sad event. Not the biggest, um, as Biden said in his speech, the biggest attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Yeah. Come on. That is, that's a setup. That's yep. a setup. What's coming? You know, they, they were talking about, um, what was it? Uh, gun control? It was, uh, I can't remember. He was asked something in a press conference, and, uh, and it was just from a regular person, and he said, yeah, not yet. It's all about timing. All timing. Let's do this first. And I thought... Uh, This guy is not the strategist. He's not getting up and going, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do today. It's all a matter of timing? What does that mean? You want to take guns away from people? It's a matter of timing. So what are you waiting for? And I just fear you have one big shot. You have a September 11th, and you pin it on one group you turn the entire nation inside out. Yeah,
1: you go, going back to war communism, uh, Lenin, the entire Leninist strategy was if you didn't have an enemy, you had to create one mm. um, so that you could keep people mobilized against that imaginary enemy so that they wouldn't notice what was happening to you. And that, that, that two-pillared narrative coming from the left, one is COVID, we're never gonna be safe again, and two is that domestic terrorism. And and you and I were outspoken, um, denounced the behavior at the Capitol. We actually ended up doing your podcast the day after mm. um, the attack on the Capitol. And I, I think the reason that we've always preached nonviolence is both from
0: a moral perspective and a tactical perspective, it doesn't work. Yeah, morally it's reprehensible. Tactically, it's just the dumbest thing. I've been saying this forever. You and yeah. I have both been going, that's what they want. Yeah. They want you to strike out. Look at what they're doing. It's like they're winding people up so hard. They're just like, when will you snap? Remember Nancy, I think it was Nancy Pelosi saying, I can't believe that there's no there's not more riots in the streets or something like that. Yeah. 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 We're incredibly tolerant. But somebody at some point. Snaps like they did on January January sixth. Reprehensible and the worst thing that could have happened for the Liberty Movement. Helped helped the Oh yeah
1: the left so much. Um, because now like he shifted all the narrative away from, from violence of Antifa. Yep. Which had been happening for a year and the press didn't want to talk about that. And now they have, you know, the worst what is what did Biden say the worst? The worst
0: attack on the, on our democracy since the civil war. Yeah. So when
1: I originally set out to have this conversation with you, you had just done a podcast with Megan Kelly and she was all fired up and she, um, I don't actually remember the full context now, but, but her general point was we have to fight this with everything we have and, and, you were both talking about like what's the what is the counter-revolution um, and i'm sure people ask you they ask me all the time how do we do another tea party how do we get the band back together i don't and, think you do and i don't think you do for a million reasons mm-hmm. first of all that was a decade ago mm-hmm. second of all the the tools are different mm-hmm. the technology is different and, and third of all i don't know if the republican party is all that credible Anymore.
0: Oh, no, there's nothing to rally around. And I don't see anyone that could rally the troops. Uh, You know, Donald Trump is probably the best rallying point, but he's not a principled constitutional guy. You know what I mean? Right. He turned out to be a guy that I ended up liking because I can't believe the guy's stamina. You know, who is under that kind of attack all the time and just doesn't snap? Um, uh, also, I, th- I liked some of the things he he did. I really disliked other things that he did. Um, but I, I, he's the only one that I've seen galvanize anybody because the the right is so split now, and we've made we've made it you're with me 100 percent or you're not with me at all and we can't do that i'm i'm not with donald trump 100 percent. i'm not against him 100 percent. i'm with him when he's right i'm against him when he's wrong call him as you see him and uh you know everybody's just demanding purity and you, you can't put something together when it has to be 100 percent pure you just can't the idea the principles if we could get a movement that said You know, these are the principles. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. The amendments. Just give me nine out of the top ten amendments. If you can do that, let's fight together. That's a big number of people. But that is not where anybody's headed. Yeah. Nobody's headed there.
1: Well, I... It probably makes me sound a little mamby-pamby, but I, I don't think there is a political solution to this problem. I agree. Um, you know, who wins and who loses and who controls the White House absolutely matters. But until we get upstream of politics into culture and reignite those values, that's the way we have to do this. And and we, but we've been talking about this for years too.
0: Well, you know, but I mean, let's not forget both of us as individuals and a lot of others really have made an impact in culture uh, uh, as far as we have gone. We're playing from zero to 60 miles an hour. And yes, we need to be going 400 miles an hour. And at the same time, we've had everything going against us. I mean, to build a network, I mean, remember when I built the Blaze, only HBO was online. Right. Only HBO, I think Netflix had just gotten online. Um, and it, it was insane. It was insane. We had to build everything from scratch. Now it seems really easy. but now we were getting really good, not I'm not saying the blaze, I'm saying the, the right was getting really good at making uh, videos and getting them into the culture and getting them out there and they are all being suppressed. right you know, get your own internet. Uh, oh okay <laughs> okay like we're gonna do that uh, I mean we are up against uh a rock and a hard place it's kind of it's kind of whack whack-a-mole and this
1: again I could be optimistic about this because you know when you went to when blaze TV went to market you were first to market and by the way it sucks being first to market it does because you get your butt beat
0: quite yeah, a bit yeah um, but we
1: made it yeah you made it and and it it reminds me of um you know, the Tea Party was the first wave of sort of democratized yep. protest movements. Yep. And it's because of technology, it, it was a perfect storm of all those things. And they, you remember how they used to prevent us from marching on the public square. Mm-hmm. Whack, we're gonna stop oh, that. Yeah. And then they sick the IRS on the Tea Party. And then we shifted to social media and we started killing it, telling that story whack now they're trying to suppress Mm -hmm. that so your stuff gets suppressed my stuff gets suppressed Um, but it it tells me that innovation has to be the answer
0: look nobody think of the time and the energy and the money they have spent to whack each of us i mean it's incredible that should tell you everything you need to know on who has the winning answer yeah because we got no money we, you know, we don't, we don't have any engines behind us. we got nothing. We just have ideas, and they are terrified by those ideas. And I think, really, if, if I had a magic wand, I would teach 20% of America, just 20%, 18%, to truly understand the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. If you get 20% of America just saying, uh, I don't think so, dude, that's uh, right. You could change the world. But people don't know them. Even the people that were in the Tea Party, they were like, yeah, I'm for the Constitution. Really? Really? Where are you? Mm-hmm. Where are you? Um, uh, and, and, and that's going to be the only thing I think that saves us is if decent people who don't agree with each other, see injustice and say, I'm sorry, I can't go along with this. I gotta stand up. And they have courage to stand in their local community. It's all local. Look what happened in Southlake. Here in Southlake, Texas, it's a school district where blacks and whites perform equally in the tests. Do you know of another school that does that school district in America where black, whites, everybody performs generally equally on all of their final exams? I don't. Um, it's not a town that had racism as a problem or anything else. But man, they attacked it with with critical race theory. Then two school board members went to jail because they were colluding to just pass these things without any open uh, hearings, okay? Mm. Just trying to put it in. The people, they, they probably, you know, you talk to most people, they'd be like, yeah, you know, I want people to be treated fairly and equity and they'll use all those words that they don't really know what it means. And they probably would have not done anything. Um, but once they found out that this was being jammed down their throat, they didn't like it the um the the former school board lost 70 to 30 to all the people that were standing up wow. against them 70 to 30 biggest turnout in uh that town ever and it's a town that just voted for Joe Biden yeah that I did not know that story but it's it, remarkable
1: it's it's a beautiful story and it I like it because it gives me that optimism and I'm hoping that education generally might be that sort of flashpoint where parents um, realize that the government system is not for their kids.
0: I have to tell you, there's uh, t- two stories. One, I think we're getting close uh, to a Reagan moment, but it can't be done by national leaders. Yeah, remember when Reagan was in office and the uh, the airport controllers, the air traffic controllers, went on strike. And he's like, you're not back to work by Monday. I'm firing all of you. We'll just find new people. And he did. Um, and that that kind of changed things a, a little bit. I can't wait for the school districts that the parents finally just rise up and say, I want all these teachers out. I want all these teachers out. Yeah, We want to find new teachers. This teacher union, you if you don't belong to the teachers union, come apply. But all of this crap is out. Um, and I think, I think that could happen. Um, I think we're getting close to some things like that because they're, they're too close to home with too much dangerous stuff. Yeah. Let's leave it there. That's optimistic. <laughs>
1: we, we could do, go down another dark rabbit hole. No, no, us uh, never. Yeah, maybe, but it's it's good catching up. It's good talking to you. Good hanging out in person. Yeah, 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 I miss you. That was amazing. Where can I get more content just like that? It's a great question. You're clearly a discerning consumer of the best content. Make sure to like the video, subscribe, and click the bell. And if you're consuming podcasts, go to Apple, Stitcher, anywhere you get them. I'm in. Kibbe on Liberty, honest conversations with interesting people.